<coughs> so continuing from this manifest Luke, the Fazail of Silsila Ali and Akshabandi Majdidiya. This is the next thing that Hazaji had mentioned. The first Fazila is written by Imam al Bani Majid al Fasani in his Maktubat al Sharif in volume 1, letter 131, and in that he writes that know that the Tariqah of the Hazarat of Fajagan Nakshabandi Kutsiya Sidrahum is the most akrab from all of the tariqahs in drawing a person closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the intiha of other salasal is in the ibtida of this one means that the end of other salasal is achieved in the beginning of this one and there means the nis- their nisbat means the nisbat of the mashaykh and nakshaban is higher than all nisbats all of this is because in this tariqah it has been declared lazim or mandatory to do ittibai sunnat and abstain from bid'at and Hazrat even comment on this that means this is a shart of the salsala that a person must do ittiba'i sunnat and must abstain from ittiba'at so the greater daraja in the salsala is due to the kamal ittiba'i sunnah but this is the most important thing in the sentence to realize that the superiority of the Naqshbandi Mujadid salsala is not due to the personal taqwa of these mashayikh because all of the mashayikh of all the salsalas have personal taqwa it's due to the features of the path not due to the individual travelers on the path. The features on the path of the Naqshbandi Majiddi Salsala enable the person to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa faster than the features on the other path. And these features are also not due to the particular asbaq or the way Imam al-Rabbani designed the Salsala, but is due to the kamal ittiba'i sunnah that is in the Salsala and the abstaining from bidat is in the Salsala. When Imam al-Rabbani was writing these maktubat, at that time in the other salsalas that were prevalent in South Asia, especially Chishti, but also Qadri and Surawardi, there had been a lot of bidat that had crept in. The Imam al-Rabani, one of his great efforts in Tasawwuf was to remove the bidat from Tasawwuf. Second, he brought this Kamal Ittibai Sunnah through telling people to follow the path of Nabuwa as opposed to the path of Wilaya. path of Nabuwa means that, for example, the way Nabi Karim Sassam had Baka that a person should try to reach Baka instead of staying in Fana. Kamal Ittibai Sunnat means to wear Imama, to wear white, to carry Asa, or to use Asa in Juma, to carry Asa at times when traveling. So all of these things made the Sulsala Ali and Akshabandiya in Imam al-Bainata's view, Akrab and closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then, another aspect is the Ittibai Sharia. So then this passage of this letter continues, that so the first reason why the Naqshbandi Sallallahu was closest is ittibai sunnat second reason is abstaining from bidat third reason Imam al-Rabani continue, continues quote and to every extent possible these mashayik view it impermissible to avail of a ruksa end quote ruksa and azima these are two terms used by the fuqaha the jurists and sharia ruksa in English you would call it license or dispensation and azima means the more precautionary stance so here Imam al-Rabbani writes that the Mashaik of Naqshiban would not to, to whatever extent possible, whatever possible they would not allow themselves or the Muridin to do Amal on a Ruksa So for an example of this is that when normally it is Sunnah to drink when sitting down However the Fuqaha have written and Muhaddithin have written a Ruksa for the traveler that when you're traveling, if you get some water, for example, you're traveling in the desert, you don't have to stop your journey and sit down and drink. It's a ruksa or a license or a position for ease and convenience that the traveler can drink while standing up. 
But the Mashaikh of Naqshband would not avail themselves of such a ruksa because the azimut was always something that was closer to the sunnah. The fuqaha can never make anything harder than the sunnah. That was their tafakkur. That means their juristic wisdom and their juristic understanding is that they would never make the precautionary path more strict or stringent than the sunnah because obviously no mu'min can outdo or outstrip the Prophet ﷺ. So the azimut would always be closer to the sunnah. The more precautionary ruling would always be closer to sunnah. But sometimes due to some extenuating circumstances and conditions, they would let a person drop down a level and that is called a ruksa. But although the jurists allow that, and the implication in this letter is that some of the other silsilas, mashaik that were prevalent at that time, they allowed that. The mashaik of Naqshban did not allow themselves to whatever extent possible to avail themselves of a ruksa. And that is then the third reason why this tariqah is aqrab or is closer uh, than all the other turuk, than all the other paths leading to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Imam al-Bayanata continued the letter by making it even more Potent, that they won't do amal on the ruksa even if their inner perception, their basirat, their farasa, their kash, however you want to call it, here the Arab, the word he uses is their batin, even if their batin perceives there's some benefit in doing that ruksa, even then they want to amal on the ruksa. This has to do with the fourth feature that Imam al is going to make clear is that the Mashaikh of Naqshaban, they would make all of their batini firasat, all of their inner sight and their spiritual perception tabe or secondary to ulum sharia So if the sharia has declared something as azimat, that is better. Then what is ruksat? Even they said, even if our own batin perceived that doing the ruksa is a benefit, even then we want to amlan the ruksa. Because our perception of our batin is secondary to the perception of the sharia. And then so similarly then on the flip side, then the paragraph continues, and they won't stop doing amal on the azima. They won't leave doing amal on the more precautionary stance, even if doing that outwardly appears to be something that is harmful, or something that not harmful, but something that perhaps may be less beneficial, and then therefore a person would say to do the ruksa because the ruksa appears more beneficial but they say we won't take our perception as to what is beneficial and less beneficial we will stick to what sharia has declared as more beneficial and less beneficial and therefore we will always do amal on the azimat and then Hazaji when he commented on this he said that this is actually their concept of taqwa so doing amal of on the azimut is also a concept of taqwa. So then you have number one, itkamal itibai sunnat, number two, abstaining from bidah, and number three, this notion of not doing the ruksa and sticking to the azima contains the principle of making tasawwuf tabi to sharia. And number four aspect of that was that not doing amal on the ruksa and sticking to the azima means that is the taqwa aspect of tariqat. <coughs> then the next line he writes, which is a very important thing, is quote, and then the mashaykh of the Silsila Ali and Akshubani have made their ahwal, and by here ahwal, he doesn't mean spiritual states, by ahwal he means the situations they encounter in life, their life situations and life circumstances, they have made that tabi to the sharia. In other words, there are two ways you can say this, number one, they've made ahwal tabi to the sharia, means that they won't look at the condition of life, so they're traveling, they won't take into account their halat of suffer, right? And then therefore do amal on the ruksa, they will still do amal on the zima. 
Second way you could read this is that ahwal, because what's coming afterwards, the passage that's coming afterwards is talking about spiritual ahwal. So what does that mean? That because there were some people, some Sufis at that time, who because they got a hal, they got a particular spiritual state or particular spiritual feeling, they would leave the Sharia. They would think they don't know how to do Amlan Sharia. Or they would think we don't need to do Azimat because we're getting that spiritual state through our Zikr. So we don't need to do Amal on the precautionary aspect of Sharia. So here Imam Rabbi they said the Mashaik of Naqshibam don't do that. And they have made all of their Ahwal Tabi to the Sharia. And they've made their Zok and Ma'arif Khadim to the Ulum and Nabawiyah and Ulum and Shari'iyya. What does that mean? Zok and Ma'arif. Zok is that person's uh, fancy word would be their spiritual acumen means that when they get deeply versed in the sawuf then they get a certain feel for something they get a certain literally zok means taste that they get a certain taste a certain sense a certain feel and ma'arif means then those nukati ilmi that Allah SWT bestows on a person from his ilmi ladunni but even that the mashayikh they view their zok and ma'arif only as a khadim to ulum sharia only to serve the ulum sharia not to provide anything above and beyond and distinct and separate from the ulum sharia then the next line he writes in the same letter is that and like people and the mashayikh of Naqshiban are not like children that they will take the candies of wajd and hal and exchange for the jewels and gems of the ikam ishari and here Hazrat mentioned the story that you would remember who were here last year the Sheikh Saadi Rimalatan on his Gulistan and his famous Persian poet he writes about his childhood that his mother gave him a gold ring and when he was playing as a child somebody saw that he had a gold ring so a criminal type saw that he had a gold ring so he told him that oh young boy why don't you suck on your ring so he sucked on his ring and then he took out some candy and said oh young boy why don't you suck on this and he sucked on the candy because he was a child obviously the candy was sweet and the gold had no sweetness so then he told the young Sheikh Saadi boy that wouldn't you like to trade what is in your hand which is not sweet for something that is sweet and the boy said yes and he gave the ring and he took the candy because he didn't have understanding that the ring was made of gold so he traded something of higher value for something of lesser value because he didn't have understanding he looked at the lut and lazzat the Imam Rabbani although that Shaykh Saadi when he mentioned this story he was talking about Imam that you shouldn't trade something that is golden like your Iman, your Haya and Taqwa for the sins of this world for the allures and attractions and beauties and pleasures of this world Imam Rabbani took the same incident to illustrate a different point and he says that we don't leave Amal so Hazaji took this incident to illustrate the point that Imam Rabbani was making which is different Imam Rabbani here is not saying that we won't trade our Iman, Haya and Taqwa for the pleasures and sweetness of sin or of this world what Imam Rabbanat is saying is that we won't take our hal and wajd our spiritual states and ecstasies we won't revel in them and exchange for the jewels and gems of the akam shari what does it mean again even if our spiritual hal our wajd our kashf our firasat our batan tells us x but the sharia says y we will not do x and we will do y and whatever we will only use that in service of Sharia. We will not use that to do something separate or other or distinct from Sharia. So this is what Imam Rabbanath wrote. So now we can 
just translate the line once again, that we won't be the Mashaikh of Naqshiban, they're not like children, that they take the candies of Hal and Wajd and they exchange that in exchange for the jewels and gems of the Ikam Shari. Then the next sentence he writes in this passage, Imam Rabbanathan writes, quote, and the Mashaikh of Naqshiban don't become deluded or entranced by the words of Sufis that have no basis. What does this mean? This means that sometimes the, there were certain Aqwal Sufiya that were coming down from generation to generation and some of the Sufi tariqas prevalent at that time in South Asia they would prefer the proverb and saying of some early Sufi and that they would get so caught up in the Aqwal of the Sufiya sometimes that would leave them to compromise their amal, let's say, on the aqwal of Nabi Kareem Wasallam. So this is the next feature. Now you have to keep track of the numbers. All of these are one by one reasons why he is making the argument that the Susla Ali Naqshabani Mujaddidi is akrab to the is more close to bring a person to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The next line then he writes is quote, and we don't leave the nas of Sharia for the fuss. Now this is something that is an ishara. Fuss literally means jewel. The plural jewel or gem, nagina. And the plural of fuss is fusus. So here Imam al-Rabbanat was doing an ishara to a book by Ibn al-Arabi known as Fusus al-Hikam. And he was saying basically we won't leave the nusus a shari. Nas is singular, nusus is plural. That means textual sources of sharia. That means ayat al-Qur'aniya and ahadith and nabawiyya. We won't leave the textual sources of sharia and instead do amal on texts. And this was another problem at that time. It still exists in certain circles today that they take their entire deen from the books of Ibn Arabi, Fusus al-Hikam and Futuhat al-Makiyyah and whatever was written in Ibn Arabi they made that the asal and they would understand Quran and Hadith in light of Ibn Arabi's work so what does that mean? that Ibn Arabi's work is not tabi to the Sharia sources rather the Sharia sources were being tabi to Ibn Arabi's work so this was something that Imam al-Banath was critiquing that we won't leave the nas of Sharia for the fas, yani for the text for Susul Hikam. And then he said that in the second as second juz, second phrase in that sentence, and we will not leave the Futuhat Madniya for the Futuhat Makiya. Again Futuhat Makiya is the name of another work of Ibn Arabi Allah. And Futuhat Madniya was just a way that Ibn uh, Imam Rabbi was using to refer to the Ahadith and Nabawiyah. So we won't you lose the when we have Nabiya Kareem Sams Ma'arif. When we have his button, when we have his aqwal, why would we leave that <coughs> for the aqwal of Sufiya or for the ma'arif of Ibn Arabi or for the text of Ibn Arabi? And the last point that he mentions in this letter in which he's talking about the fazail or fazila or the virtues and merits and yes, he is talking about what he feels is the superiority of the tariqah Naqshiband is that the last point he mentions in this letter is that the hal of the mashayik Naqshiband is daimi. This hal of the mashayik Naqshiband is daimi. Now which hal? Not their spiritual, this hal. That they do ittibai sunnat, that they abstain from bidat, that they to whatever extent possible don't do amalan and ruksa, that to whatever extent possible they will stick to the azima, no matter what their spiritual perception tells them, that they have made the ahwal in their life tabi to sharia, that they have made their spiritual ahwal tabi to sharia, that they have made their zok and ma'arif as khadim to ulum sharia, that they will not trade, they will not take in exchange for the ahkam as shari, the candies of their hal and wajd, 
that they won't become deluded and entranced by the words of the Sufiyah that have no basis in deen and that they won't leave the Nas Sharia for the Fas and that they won't leave the Futuhat Madaniyah for Futuhat Makiyah all of these things he writes about them are features that are daimi what does that mean? that they always remain steadfast on these points and because of that they are firmly and stead- firmly established and steadfast on the path of Sunnah and Sharia and because of that all of these points and the istiqamat and steadfastness on these points that's why the tariqah of the Mashaikh Naqshiband is superior you should also keep in mind historically that Imam Rabbaniyata is not commenting from the outside he went through the other tariqah he had ijazah in the other tariqahs. He went through the process of Batutul Wujud. So this isn't somebody just trying to say, okay, my way is better than your way. It was Imam Rabbani in his capacity as Mujaddid. And Mujaddid of what? Al-Fisani of the second millennium. Who had seen and examined outwardly and had experienced inwardly all the ma'arif of all the turuk at the time that he was in. And after that whole process is declaring this path to be Akram. So when the Mujaddid says something is Akrab, you see when the Nobel Prize winner in physics uses all of the methods and then says this is the best way, so that is somebody not talking out of bias or prejudice, that is somebody talking on the basis of first-hand experience, tahqiq, on the basis of uh, experience and evidence. So this is this first letter of Imam Rabbani Ramtane. Then, because as I mentioned to you, I think yesterday, that in this series last night, Hazrat was teaching from both the Maktubat al-Baniyya and the Maktubat al-Masumiyya. Maktubat al-Masumiyya are the letters written by the son, Farzan the Anjuman and Khalifat al-Majaz, and the inheritor of the Nisbat of his father. This was Hazrat Khawaja Muhammad Masum So the second feature then of the, this is the first letter, which had many points in it. Then a second letter which mentions the second category or second main reason why Naqshabandi Mujaddidi Sasla is viewed to be special. That is taken from Maktubat al-Masumiyah which is volume number 3 and letter number 121. Volume number 3, letter 121. And that letter in that Hazrat Khwaja Muhammad Masum is talking about the Fazilat of Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq anhu. And because his superiority, he is superior to all of the other Sahaba Ikram, then because of that, the Sulsla al Naqshbandi, because in its most original sense, there are only two tariqas of Tasawwuf. One that goes through Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, which is only one Naqshbandi, and one that goes through Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala, which then went to Hassan al-Basri, rahimahullahu ta'ala, and then split into many things. Those are the words you hear today. Qadri, Chishti, Shurwardi, Shadli, Sutari, Rafai, Kubri, etc. All of them are from that second one. So Imam, and the Khaja Muhammad Masum, he writes in that letter, quote, <coughs> that in this Ummah of, this entire Ummah, that Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq is known as Khairul, this Ummah that Allah Ta'ala has declared as Khairul Ummah, means this Ummah which is the best of all Ummahs, which is the Muslim Ummah, from that, the level that the great, the level of Fana, and the level of nesti, nesti means self-negation. The fana means self-annihilation, to be completely annihilated and absorbed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And nesti means to completely negate your own self to these two things. Fana is Arabic, nesti is Persian. The person who had the greatest level of fana and nesti in this best of ummas is that great sahaba Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And then Khadr Khadr Muhammad Masrur Quotes 
uh, a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that the Rutba, the Manaqib, the, the Manqab, the Fazilat of Sayyidina Bakr Siddiq and such that Nabi said in a hadith, quote, that that person who wants to see a mayat walking this earth, if a person wants to see a dead person walking this earth, then they should look at Abi Abu Kahafa, which was the name, another name of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, with the Lord on who? Uh, sorry, the son Ibn Abi Kahafa, which is Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, and they should look at him. What does that mean? That the Prophet meant, not that he's literally dead, but the Prophet meant that his nafs is dead. If anybody wants to see a person whose nafs is entirely dead, who's negated and annihilated their nafs amara means that all the negative potential in the nafs has been annihilated then they should see the example of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq because of his, his mujahidat nafs plus also his humility he had no ujub, no kibar, no takabbar and then the third aspect so first is negating the evil of the nafs second is negating the pride that the good nafs can have the good nafs can have ujub and kibar in the sense that the nafs is not doing sin but then a person can have pride and conceit over their virtue and the third aspect is fanaiyat that because Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq had kamil fanafi Rasul and kamil fanafi Allah out of all the Sahaba Ikram he had the most kamil fanaiyat the most perfect absolute love undying and unquenchable love for Sayyidina Rasulullah and undying unquenchable love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala <coughs> then Hazrat Khaji Muhammad Masood says that no doubt that now quote even though the other Sahaba Ikram also had Kamil Fana Fid Rasul and Kamil Fana Fillah but within these Kamilin Sayyidina Rasulullah in this hadith he selected out Sayyidina Abu Bakr as an example that if you want to see that person and the Prophet was addressing Sahaba telling Sahaba if they want to see somebody who is like a dead person walking the face of this earth that they should look at Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq so this taqsis which means the specific for Nabi Yaqarim to particularly and specifically single out Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq amongst the Sahaba to the Sahaba is the imtiyaz or you can say is the special distinction of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq so you can view it maybe in English like this that all of them had fana but Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq had award winning fana and that award was given to him in this hadith by Sayyidina Rasulullah then he continues in the letter quote <coughs> and this is why Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq Iman, Iman is superior to the Iman of the entire Ummah is afzal to the Iman of the entire Ummah as is mentioned in yet another hadith so the detail of the second hadith and Hazrat filled in in the commentary that it comes in hadith that if the Prophet that if you were to take the Iman of my entire Ummah on one side of the scale and then you were to put the Iman of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq on another side of the scale and you were to weigh and compare these two sides of the scale that side of the scale which has the Iman of just Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq would weigh heavier would be more weighty than the Iman of the entire Ummah and this is why Sayyidina Rasulullah gave him this al Siddiq because his level of Tasdeeq in Iman his heart verification of Iman made him the Imam of Iman
then Khajah Khajah Muhammad Masrunat Azhar continues he then explains the link between these two things the reason is is that for Iman to be Kamil it is necessary for a person's fana and nisti to be kamil. Again, we've explained to you what these two terms are. So for a person's iman to be kamil, to be perfect, their fana and nisti must be perfect. And because it is already passed, that Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq from amongst the Sahaba had the most kamil fana and nisti, had the most kamil absorption in the Prophet and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and therefore had the most kamil negation of the self, Therefore, he had the most Kamal Imam. And this is why, due to these two reasons, Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq had in Nisbati Ittihad, Nisbati Ittihadi with Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam, a Ta'luki Ittihadi with Nabi Karim which no other Sahaba had. So this Nisbati Ittihadi, Ittihad comes for a Unity of mind, unity of heart, and this is one of the terms of our Mashaikh in Akshaband uh, that nisbat ittihad. There are four types of nisbat a person can have with the Shaykh. The highest level is called nisbat ittihadi, and that means that everything that is in the Shaykh in terms of their spirituality goes into the murid, and for that, then Sayyidina Hazrat uh, Khwaja Muhammad Masumat and quotes the Hadith. To establish this point of nisbat tihadi that Sayyidina Rasulullah said, Ma sabballahu shay'an fi sadri illa sabaytuhu fi sadri Abi Bakr. And the Prophet said that there is nothing that Allah Ta'ala has put, that the Prophet is saying this indeed, that there is nothing that Allah Ta'ala has put in my breast except that I have put that in the breast of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq. So what does this mean? So this is not talking about prophethood. Because that is sent by Wahi. But what the Nabi meant that his wilaya, whatever wilaya and spirituality Allah Ta'ala had given him, which is separate from his prophethood, he transferred that same wilaya and saw that that same wilaya was transferred completely and absolutely into the breast of Sayyidina Abu Bakr, a Siddiq with Allah Ta'ala Anha. So this notion, this, and then Hazrat then commented on this hadith, that number one, this hadith establishes that Nisbati Itahadi. Because what the Prophet is saying again, whatsoever Allah Ta'ala has put in my breast, I have put all of that entirely in the breast of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq. So that means it's ittihad, means it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Second, this hadith establishes the concept of our mashaykh of intikal and nisbat. That the shaykh can make what is in their batin muntakil into the batin of the murid. Because this is what Sayyidina Rasulullah is saying. Because he uses the verb himself. Sababtuhu fi sadri Abu Bakr. I put it in the heart, in the sadr, in the breast of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So it means that, in other words, Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq and this hadith is getting the prophetic stamp, the prophetic muhram, the prophetic stamp and seal of approval about the nisbat that he had with Sayyidina Rasulullah wasallam. Then Khwajamal Masrunatullah continues, quote, And Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq had established such a close relationship, <coughs> close relationship, in um, with uh, Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Quran ma dhannuka bi ithnayn bi ithnayn Allah thalithuhuma 
that what do you think about those two, that Allah Ta'ala is the third of those two. So this nisbat is mentioned in Quran as well, because it's nain, and that means the two is the dual form, it's the word for the dual. So Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq and Sayyidina Rasulullah is referred to as a pair by Allah SWT in Quran. And what type of pair is it? Allahu Salisuhuma, that Allah SWT is the third of the two. So that shows his Kamil Fanafi Rasul and Kamil Fanafillahi. So you have Allah SWT, you have Nabi Karim and you have Siddiqi Akbar Anhu. Three beings who are mentioned by Allah SWT in this ayat Qur'aniyyah. So this, but then Hazrat comments on this and describes that this ayah is uh, Make, this ayah is establishing that Sayyidina, Rasul, Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq had what is called Ma'iyyat Kubra with Sayyidina Rasulullah Ma'iyyat means companionship Ma'iyyat Kubra means the greatest companion the greatest companion, the greatest companionship, the greatest association, the greatest affiliation existed between Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq and Sayyidina Rasulullah and Sayyidina Rasulullah and that is why the nisbat from that came, comes through Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq is the most strong, is the most mazboot, is the most strong and firm nisbat because he himself had the most strong and firm nisbat with Sayyidina Rasulullah and because this nisbat of Arsul Sala'ali Naqshbandiya has come from that same nisbat has emanated from the nisbat that Sayyidina Abu Bakr had with the Prophet so that is the other reason of the fadila or the greater merit of the Sallallahu Alaihi Naqshbandiya Mujaddidi over the other Salasan. And then Imam then Hazri commented that Imam al had strengthened this point, had mentioned as well, and Imam al-Bayanatan is maktubat is written that the wasila, which means the connector and the connection between this silsila and Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq and this silsila and Sayyidina Rasulullah is the wasila of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq and because his connection is the strongest connection with the Prophet therefore this whole silsila also gets the strongest connection with the Prophet and that is what makes it akrab that because the, the Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq was akrab to the Prophet so that silsila tariqa that is connected to and then through Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq and that will also be the most akrab will be the closest to the Prophet and because then the next thing Muhammad Ibn writes that and because it is closer then it is easier to progress on that path you can imagine that that staircase which is closer to the roof has less steps on it than that staircase that is farther from the roof to use Hazrat's example from last night so if you are on the staircase that is closer to the roof then it will be less steps for you to travel and less of a journey for you to travel in order to reach the end And hence then Hazrati commented that this is the reason why the Mashaikh of Naqshuban have written that our nisbat is, and this was the thing, the last sentence that Imam Rabbanat had also written in that first letter that we discussed with you, that the nisbat of the Mashaikh of Naqshuban is higher than all of the other nisbats. It's because the nisbat of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq is higher than all of the other nisbat of the Sahaba. And therefore what the Mashaikh of Naqshuban wrote was absolutely correct. 
Then Hazaji, after quoting from this letter and from some words of Imam Rabbani, then Hazaji then commented for some length on about um, 40 points, 40 points on the basis of which Sayyidina Siddiqui Akbar Ranatu uh, on his fazila. So 40 points in which one can expand and open up this notion that Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq had nisbat ittihadi with Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam, so that we can understand this maqam of Mayit Kubra, we can understand this maqam of Akrab nisbat. And the important thing here is that part of this was due to Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq own sidq his own truth and his own love for the Prophet ﷺ. And part of it is because Allah Ta'ala wanted to bestow this maqam on him. And part of it was because Nabi Kareem Sallallahu himself had the greatest love for Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq. So there are three basic sources due to which this Nisbet Adi took place. Both that Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq tried for it, that Sayyidina Rasulullah bestowed it, and that ultimately Allah Subhanahu's tawfiq and karam and blessing, that he even made the tab'iyah, or the personality and temperament of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq Munasib and Mushabih, means in accordance and resembling the tab'iyah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. And then when we look at the life of, the, of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, at his personality, at his thought, at his wisdom, we will see that this is some strange affair that could only have been blessed upon him by Allah SWT. And then we will see that in his entire family also had this nisbat with Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam, And we will say that even when he passed away, his way of passing away from this earth also had a strange resemblance to Sayyidina Rasulullah So now we will begin those 40 examples. Number one, that when Sayyidina Rasulullah was in the cave in the Mount Hira, and he received the first revelation from the angel Jibreel which is a famous incident recorded in the Sahih Bukhari in Bab al-Thakana Bad al-Wahi, chapter about how Wahi and revelation was began. So when Sayyidina Rasulullah came back from the mountain and went to his noble wife Ummu Mu'mineen Sayyidatana Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha, and he was worried and he was distraught and he was shaking and he was shivering because of the intense experience that happened. So what happened that Sayyidina Sayyidatana Khadija Kubra she mentioned some special uh, attributes of the Prophet that were mentioned in the Hadith. She said, Kalla inna kalla rahim. That in no, you should never think that anything <coughs> bad will ever happen to you or that Allah is angry with you. But no, inna kalla rahim. That indeed you are the one who mends the ties, who joins between people. And you are the one who. Mm, has taken on the burdens of everyone and you are the one who takes care of everyone's needs who are absent. And you are the one who always helps the weak. And you have been the one who has helped everyone on the path of truth. So basically she mentioned several characteristics of Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. And what was she talking about? She was basically talking about the akhlaq the characteristic and personality of Sayyidina Rasulullah and then later you will see the same words used for Sayyidina Bakr Siddiqui and Allah Akhir Da'wana and Alhamdulillah Hiram Bin Alam